Welcome in to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Howe. What's up, guys? And our producer, Mike Coyle. How's it going? Today is now Wednesday, April 20th. We are eight days away from the NFL Draft. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, I'm still a little fired up from that, that Traylon Burks discussion we just finished up a few minutes ago on the last episode. Yeah, well, we're not going to allow it to spill into this one. I'm no, it won't. Down. It won't. It will not, but I'm good. Cool. All right, so, and what was this you were telling me about? I heard you were digging around with some numbers, some of these conspiracy numbers you always seem to find for whatever you're doing, betting, it's, fantasy, or explain so, it, because I you tried to explain to me, I had no idea what you were talking yeah, about, so, so let's explain it. It has to do with a um, analytical profile here, a um, couple advanced statistics for profile um, that profiles um, prospects coming in. Um, NFL prospects. So one that uh, is a pairing of two that I saw. I wish I could remember where I originally saw it months ago so I could give them proper credit. But I saw it, and um, a 95-plus height-adjusted speed score and a less than 11.2 agility rating. And I, I backlogged uh, some, of the, um, some of the numbers, and I checked back to some guys who cleared this threshold. Now, I haven't done enough research to see guys who cleared the threshold and who weren't good, right? But some of the guys that I did see who cleared the threshold and who were good were Julio Jones, Debo Samuel, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, um, uh, Odell, some older guys, uh, Andre Johnson, Greg Jennings, Steve Smith, Roddy White, Vincent Jackson. Okay. Right, so there's some good names there, right? right? So. I want to dig a little bit deeper into it, check a little bit more into it, and, and report back with some more concrete findings. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, do your own little scouting. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I'll give the numbers and, and everything when. I like to say it. When it's time. Good. But that's just and a little this, little preview, you know. A little preview. So this came up with, I guess, somebody we were lo- we're looking at or gonna look at. Yeah, and it, it was. Yeah, All it right. got buried under some papers, and I was moving some stuff around, and I saw it. And it made me look into it again. Uh, just now, I started looking at it earlier today. Just, and just real quick again. Yeah, the, preliminary research. Sorry, just real quick again. Mm-hmm. The two things. It was, so it's adjusted height, weight, speed. Is that like? Is that just kind of like a great, uh, like a sliding scale? Like you know. So the, it takes their speed score. And I'm, I, I forget exactly how speed score is calculated. I, I was pulling that. Um, well, we'll look off of, that. But that's I what I mean. Was it kind off of, of player profile. So what? It looks at speed scores. It off takes what profile. height and weight and kind of adjust the forty or whatever it, you it ran adjusts, based off of that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure exactly how speed score is calculated. I'm sure par, uh, player profiler has a, a breakdown of it. We could look that up if we wanted to. And then what was the but, other? So thing? it's height adjusted. So it, it's just a simple formula that that takes into account the player's height um, divided by the average height of an NFL wide receiver which I believe is six one and a half, and 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 then it, it, you expedite it, and then um, come out with a number. Okay. And if you're over ninety five, and so you're under eleven point two, so that was adjusted agility, height, right? adjusted height, weight, speed, and then what was the other one? Agility rating. Agility rating, which is just rating. a combination of your twenty yard shuttle and your three cone. Okay. Cool. I like it. So, kind of you're kind of like Indiana Jones going through. You know, you're shuffling through your papers in the museum. You're in there looking for the holy grail of uh, statistical analysis. Yeah, I'm trying to find this is the what we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. I like it. So uh, the hunt continues. We'll uh, we'll we'll catch up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will definitely check back in with this. Yeah, I'd, uh, I made a note here. We'll we'll check back in on uh, Rich's hunt for the the dynasty fantasy holy grail. I need some time to really dig in. Right, exactly. Really know the potential here. Right, you've got to have like a whole montage of digging through the library of stats. 
That's what I was thinking. Who? Uh, this is what we do for you, our fans. Right. We dig through these obscure, absurd numbers and try to make them make sense to you. Yeah, they don't make sense to me. That's why I just sit here and listen. So, who are we uh, talking about today? So today, the first guy we're going to talk about is another one of these quarterbacks in this quarterback class that people don't seem to be too high on, and that's going to be Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. So, Desmond Ritter had a solid college career, through for pretty much 2,000 yards his first three years there, and then in his fourth year, he threw for over 3,000 yards. Again, he had an extra season like most guys do coming up because of the shortened COVID year. A lot of players just... uh, had gained an extra year of eligibility, so they technically had two junior years or sophomore years or whatever it is. It's something you're going to be seeing with a lot of the guys coming up in the next draft class. Uh, but he was consistently productive there. He's also pretty efficient as far as rushing goes. He pretty much around 500, 600 yards every season, except for last season where he was down a little bit. Here's the main problem with Desmond Ritter as far as everybody is concerned, because there's a little bit more hype on him. I guess last season prior to his senior year, is that he never exploded. He never... Someone like Kenny Pickett, for example, kind of struggled his first two years in there and then, you know, exploded in, like, his final season in college. Well, I guess technically it's his fourth season in college. I can't remember. Fifth season. season. He's been there for five years. So he struggled for his first four years and kind of exploded in year five. I wouldn't say he struggled. Okay. Here there. Not str- all right. Not struggle, but he he wasn't. Never mind. He like the world on fire. We already did this we, last year. We, we already talked Kenny about Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Desmond River never had that. He never went from very low, unproductive numbers to having that huge jump in production. Again, the biggest jump came in this final year. We went from averaging around two thousand yards to throwing over three thousand yards. So he has a lot of the tools that you want for a quarterback. He's Efficient in the run game. Again, we talked about the rushing yards that he's had throughout his time as a starting quarterback. So he's got that mobility. He's got his mobility, arm strength. You know, that's what that's what they look for nowadays. So why don't you go in then about the a little bit about his arm strength and some of the other things with him that people are on. Yeah, I mean, you put the tape on it. Dude's got a gun. I mean, you just watch. So he's got he's got zip on the ball. Um, He's got. the deep ball is, is, is like he's unleashing a cannon. Let's that thing go. Um, the one thing he definitely needs to work on, though, is his touch and his ball placement. Because, like, he's got that cannon. Say he's got the zip. He doesn't have the... Exactly. He doesn't have the refinement. It, the ball doesn't necessarily go where it's intended every time. But that thing flies out of his arm. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. You don't know always where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> when it's leaving his hand, you're like, that looks good. I like it. So, yeah, again, he's got solid... He, he has the potential to be... Again, like we talked about, a, a dual-threat quarterback. But, a, again, I, not at the level of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think maybe at the level with the mobility as far as Malik Willis. Right. I think as far as athletic-wise, like, tools go, Desmond Ritter might be the next closest one. to. It might be the one closest to Willis as far as possessing all of those tools. Do you disagree, or would you say Matt Corral has a little bit more, or... I, see, I I view Ritter as more of your he's going to look to stay in the pocket and run when he needs to versus like he's going to be dynamic in the run game, kind of like how you see from like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen on his QB sweeps and, right. and what he does. But like the one thing I really liked from Ritter though was just this past season. You said with the the yardage jump in passing, it also translated with a yardage drop in rushing. 
because one of the big concerns coming into this year was him, you know, bailing pockets just because he wanted to run. And he showed this past season that he's willing to stay in there, which is what I like to see. Yeah, that was NFL, you know, teams like to see. Yeah, that was one of his problems. He was taking uh, too many sacks because he was trying to extend plays. And like you said, that leads to more rushing yards, but it also leads to more sacks. That problem is going to be compounded at the NFL level. So he's got, like you said, he's he's got, it seems, all the tools except for that placing that touch on the ball, which is something that I think can be coached with, you know, proper. I think it has more to do with his mechanics. Right. Again, maybe overcompensating for footwork. Your, mechanic, your footwork with arm strength is how you end up putting more zip on that ball. That being said, again, like we talked about, he's not going to be used as do- in the run. He's not going to have as many design runs as somebody like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes right. has. So that's going to cap his upside as a fantasy quarterback. But he will have mobility. So, I think are we talking? Are we talking roughly the same range we were talking with Matt Corral as far as quarterback go? Where I'm not. I don't think he ever is going to be in that top five, but he could hover around maybe ten or like. That 12, 15 range is the ceiling, or do we see a little bit lower of a ceiling for him versus Corral? Where are you at on? To me, he's a very low floor, high ceiling guy. Almost like a boomer bust in a sense. Like if he finds if he finds himself in the right system and he's given enough time to mature and develop and, and understand the NFL game, I see him as a guy who can be very productive. He's got all the tools you look for, like we like we mentioned, size. Arm strength, mobility. All the other guys you look at, who's, who's got that? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert. All the other guys with size, mobility, and arm strength. Okay. Like, we, we can keep going. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But I'm not saying he's going to become those guys. Right. Yeah. But the potential's there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you ha- you think his ceiling could potentially be a top ten quarterback from a fantasy perspective? Yeah. Yeah. But also okay. beware of the floor. To a guy who could be, okay. you know, might find himself as a backup in a couple of seasons. So let's compare him to a guy we talked about last episode, Matt Corral. We say Redder has a higher ceiling than Corral, and then a lower floor than Corral. So he has a, a greater range of outcomes, whereas yes. Corral's smaller range, but not as not as much potential as where I agree we're at. With that. Yeah, okay, I agree so that's where we're at as far as that goes. Yeah. I think some of the things that, like you said, will help Desmond Ritter again as addition. He's he he did improve on the ball placement a little bit last season uh, as compared to his other seasons. So I know his accuracy is a little bit inflated because they do a lot of short passes and screen passes. But he he does typically go through. He he's good on progressions and throughout his reads. So that again, that's a skill that some a lot of quarterbacks struggle with translating to the NFL. I don't know if I'm ready to put him in the top ten. It, it's going to depend on his situation where he goes, does he have the potential maybe, but I, I don't know if I, I project him there, so I'm I'm kind of keeping him more in the corral range too at the moment uh, uh, than you were, I guess, so more of the QB too. I don't know if I see the QB1 upside yet, but let's see where he goes and the situation he ends up in, so alright, let's move on then, we talked enough about Desmond Ritter. Let's talk about his wide receiver. Yep, so Number one wide receiver at Cincinnati was Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce had a forgetful uh, freshman year. Literally, he didn't do anything as far as stat-wise, as far as recording a stat. He, he did in. play four games, though. He did play four games, uh, I believe, on special teams. That's that's where he appeared at. 2019, he comes onto the scene, plays in 12 games, 37 catches for 652 yards and two touchdowns. 
Then in a shortened 2020 season, they only had six games. He's got 17 catches for 300 yards. And then finally in 2021, he has a slightly bigger season. Plays in 14 games, 52 catches, 884 yards with eight touchdowns. Now, he did average over 17 yards per reception throughout each one of those years in college. Never really hit the double-digit threshold as far as touchdown goes. Didn't have over 1,000 yards at any point. So that's that's one of the uh, kind of critiques on Alec Pierce is that he's never really had an explode. He's never exploded on this scene despite being the number one wide receiver at Cincinnati. He didn't never exploded on the football field. He exploded at the combine. Okay. His athletic testing. That's where, like, people liked Alec Pierce. Is what it seemed like from stuff that I read and other stuff that I saw. It's like people liked him, and then all of a sudden after the combine, everybody loves him. It, no one expected a four, uh, three, three, forty-yard dash, vertical jump at forty and a half, broad jump, uh, ten feet, uh, nine inches. Like it, it's impressive. Yeah, four two eight in the twenty yard shuttle as well around the three cone seven one three. One of the few guys that did pretty much all of the drills there, and he he killed he it in good. all of them. Yeah, he so good. he is the he is like the definition of the height weight speed guy. He's again six three two eleven to go with all of that. And we watched the tape before a while back when we were just kind of browsing, looking at all the guys to begin with. And he was one of the guys when we put on we watched the tape. We saw a lot of plays. We were like, okay, yeah, like okay. this this yeah. this guy makes plays. He. He goes up over guys and brings that ball down. He uses that size of his. Like, he takes advantage of it. He's one of those guys where he knows how to use that to box people out. He yeah. just straight went over some people and, and snatched yeah. the ball out the air. He's got great body control. He's got strong hands. that the people Again, he's doing all these contested catches, and guys are coming down with an arm in his face in between him and the ball, and he's hanging on to that ball through the contact and all of that. Yeah, so the One thing I saw that I like is he consistently won versus press. He yes. All, he, he, he beat the press. So, I mean, he, uh, he's he got the versatility. He lined up both in the slot and outside. He's a run block. He's a good run blocker. So, I mean, if if you want to play off, again, this is something we kind of talk about more for running backs, but for wide receivers, it's a little bit important, too. If you want to be a, wide, a number one wide receiver and you want to be out on the field for 98% of the snaps, like a lot of number one wide receivers are, you're going to have to contribute in the run game at some point. His ability to block, especially with his size, is an advantage. So, He's one of these guys that, in his rookie year, could find himself as a starter on a team in in the rotation. I don't know. I view him, this is, again, one of these guys where he's not being talked about with the other top five guys going in the first round. This could be your wide receiver one, I and I would feel good about it. If you tell me that my wide receiver one has all these, you know, these combine numbers you're pointing at, and you tell me that he's good on the 50-50 ball and that he can block, so... I mean, yeah, we'll see where he lands. Because I mean, if he lands in, in one of those wide receiver needy teams, he become a very intriguing prospect. Say he lands in Green Bay. Who else are they throwing the ball to? Sammy Watkins. Yeah, exactly. he's I mean, back. Sammy's back. Yeah, Sammy season. Yeah, and yeah, that would be a good place for him. Though my only concern is, I don't know if they'll take Alec Pierce with one of their fir- with one of their second round picks. And I'm not sure where or one of their first round picks. I'm not sure where their second round picks fall. I, I see him as a second round receiver. Uh, that's what NFL, I'm saying. I see NFL Alec draft. Pierce as yeah. a second round receiver in the NFL draft. I don't know that I don't know that he'll be available for the Packers second round second picks round in the pick. NFL gotcha. draft if gotcha. they're picking in the back half of the second round. I think he'll be gone by then. Uh, I think we'll be surprised. I think this might actually. I think more wide receivers are going to go. People are kind of talking about there's a possibility. Of, I think more wide receivers could go than people are thinking in the first round. The record is seven. I think we could actually break that this year with eight. 
just with the amount of teams that need wide receivers. And here's the other part of that is you look at the deals that wide receivers are getting now. Yeah. Even somebody like DJ Chark, or not DJ Chark, uh, uh, Christian Kirk, who went to the Jaguars, the money they had to pay to get him, the money to acquire a number one wide receiver in free agency. That was also crazy, Yes, I understand. (laughs) But again, then you see the the deals that Tyree Kill signs and Devontae Adams signs, and now we've got Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf all, you know, not showing up for volunteer workouts and removing their team names from their profiles because they're not happy with this. Debo, I just saw a report... um, Debo is looking out to get out of San Francisco. That's what they're saying about all their, Crazy. these guys. But okay. here's, this, yeah. So here's 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 what I'm, I'm saying the is that teams might look at it and say, I want to get that fifth-year option on the wide receiver and have him on a rookie deal for an extra year right. and keep him longer. Like 25, 30 million, 20 million, you know. Right, so it's one of those things, too, especially if you're taking them later on, because the later you take them in the first round, the cheaper these picks get. I was listening to Move the Six, and I believe that it was something around, you know, the, the 20th overall pick in the draft or something was something like $12 million, or it was something like $16 million over the four years of the contract, not including the fifth-year option. So you're talking about, you know, about $4 million a year for four years versus having to pay $28 million for a number one wide receiver. Yeah, if you get a guy who come in and be productive, uh, you know, from your first-round pick as a wide receiver, it's a bargain compared to paying. And, again, it's always yeah, a thing market where, price. Always the thing where you're going to have to pay them eventually, but you get the fifth-year option. That's just one. Even though the price goes up on the fifth-year option, even that $12 million in the fifth year is still better than having to sign them to the new deal of the $28 million. Yep. So that's why I think we might actually be surprised at, at the number of wide receivers that go in the first round. Between the number of teams that need a wide receiver and the price of the wide receivers that it's going that's going to be there. So, And same thing with the second round. I think we could be surprised at how many wide receivers go through the first and second round. So... Like you said, Alec Pierce we see as a second-round wide receiver. He's the potential to be a number one wide receiver on a team. That being said, where do we see his floor kind of being? Because he does have some downsides. You know, like some of the other guys in his draft, he has some concentration drops. He a little bit of a body catcher on the deep ball sometimes. He yeah. likes to use his pads and kind rounds of bring it in. Rounds a little bit, rounds his routes. Rounds his routes a little bit, yeah. and it's not huge. It doesn't happen all the time. Again, these this is nitpicking with this, and this is what I mean where I – I see a lot of these critiques about some of the top guys, too, and I don't see any reason Alec Pierce couldn't be talked about in the same conversation other than his lack of production at the college level, which we could blame on a couple other things, such as quarterback play or, you know, whatever we want to talk about. So where do you see his floor at, then, for wide receiver? Wide receiver two or three? On on an NFL team? Okay, yeah. So, again, I think... Potentially, he I think he could be a top 10 wide receiver fantasy-wise on a team if he secures a number one role. That's where I see his ceiling at for fantasy. His floor, though, also could be third fiddle on a wide res- on, a, on a team, kind of used as a big-body red zone guy, and you got the actual number one and a slot guy if, for whatever reason, things don't translate, you know, because professional scouts do seem do do have a lot more information and do a lot more scouting so they when they're a little more down on a player you wonder why and it seems because things might not translate that seems to be what they do they balance out the risk of this guy not translating to putting him a little lower so yeah i tend to trust the professionals yeah so i'm i'm a huge fan of alec pierce though cool so uh who's up next we are moving on to tight end out of virginia jelani woods so Let's talk about Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods is another guy with huge upside and then also 
huge, or I'm uh, sorry, low floor, I guess yeah. we should say, so, where the floor could fall out. The big question, so the, the past, <clears throat> his first three seasons in college, he was just primarily as a blocking tight end at Oklahoma State. He was technically listed as a wide receiver. But they, they lined him up and used him as a block. A yeah, ton. exactly. Right, and then this past season, he transfers, goes to Virginia, and has a great season. You know, 44 catches, 598 yards, eight touchdowns. Really broke out, made a name for himself. And then he continued that at the Combine. To where you know he ran a four six one at you know what was he six seven, just yeah just shy of six seven yeah two hundred fifty nine pounds he runs a four six one that's pretty impressive, um, he looked good during the combine drills catching passes he was smooth, um, he didn't really um, body catch too much he was using his hands, um, he, he looked good I, I thought um, this past season and at the combine he really showed up. Right, so again, the upside with him is there. He's got, again, all the tools you want to see from a tight end, especially with that size. The problem is he's not particularly polished as a tight end because, like you said, he was listed as a wide receiver in his first three years at Oklahoma State, but he was used more as a blocking tight end. So he doesn't have a lot of experience playing as a you know a, full, a full-time role as a starting tight end for a team. So... Just not a lot of experience running routes, not a lot of route versatility. He has speed, but he's not particularly shifty. I mean, th- again, this is relative for a tight end when we're talking about a guy who's 6'7 and his need to be shifty. You don't really yeah. need to be shifty. He's got good straight to... line speed. Right. And he's a little con- inconsistent getting off the line. Again, this has to do with him being a raw product. Now, this is where, it, again, where you have to kind of hedge your bets when you're comparing him to some of the other guys that check similar boxes but have more experience. So the problem is with him being raw, he might not be developed at the NFL level. Right. The the amount of commitment an NFL team might put into trying to develop a project a project tight end is kind of low. Yeah, but for the most part, though, that tight end position, you don't really see them start to really translate to year two or year three. I mean, right. You have your exceptions to the rule, like Kyle Pitts last year with a great season. TJ Hawkinson had a pretty good rookie season when he came in. Um, but majority of times, you see guys that take some time to develop, and I think that could really benefit Jelani Woods if he's given that opportunity. Right. And the team that gives him that opportunity. Again, I, I think his upside is there. It's just uh, trying to look at it, because like we said, we, we're talking about you know other tight ends. I mean, even like someone like Dallas Goddard, who had to spend some time behind Ertz getting in. So guys who were higher graded, you know, these were guys that were talked about going in the second round and all that, and had these high grades on them, and even they needed a year or so to develop. So if Jelani Woods is raw and he needs more time, how much time does he need to develop and get there, and does he actually develop and get there? I'm not saying he can. I'm just saying it might might be a longer wait, and I don't know how patient NFL teams are, and I don't know how patient you're going to be as far as fantasy-wise goes. So it's one of those things where if you're drafting Jelani Woods, you have to be committed to being in it for the long haul and know that he's – Probably not going to do much in his rookie season because most tight ends don't anyway, and he may not necessarily pop in his second season either because he just has a steeper learning curve. You, I would wait until probably the conclusion of year three to decide what I would want to do with Jelani yeah. Woods if you're going to invest in Jelani Woods at your tight end position. So oh, he, the ceiling is immense, though. You watch the way guys that big aren't supposed to move that fast. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just I'm I guess I'm playing devil's advocate, kind of trying to make people understand that this is not 
He's not like, a slam dunk. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Trey yeah. McBride is going to be a starting tight end for an NFL team. I can tell you that. He might not be a, a great fantasy, a great, or, yeah. a great fantasy right. player for you this year, but he's going to be a starting tight end for an NFL team. I can't say that about Jelani Woods right now. So that's kind of what I'm trying to balance with the discussion. But let's move on from Jelani Woods to another guy that we're both a little, a little bit higher on, and that is Arizona State running back Rashad White. You want to start off with Rashad White, or do you want me to start off? Um, let me I'll start. All right. So uh, yeah, Rashad White uh, at Arizona State for the past two seasons, 2020, at 42 carries, 420 yards, five touchdowns. So eight catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. And he really broke out this past season. Uh, he had 182 carries, 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, to go along with 43 catches, 456 yards, and a touchdown. So that dual threat ability that you look for in a running back, he had. And, and on the tape, he showed smooth, uh, smooth um, catching the ball out of the backfield, smooth runner, a great lateral agility, making guys miss with quick cuts and quick steps, uh, good balance, good vision. A um, couple questions that I did have, though, is his overall explosiveness and um, his technique and pass blocking. A couple times there was a uh, little like, oh, that's that's not good. That, that'll get you pulled off the field. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, Rashad White joined Arizona State in 2019, I believe, but he came from the JUCO program. Right. So, you're, you're from, more familiar with that than I am, so I'm not entirely... Just explain kind of Juco he came from. Okay, I'm but not sure. So that's kind of they're essentially what they're almost kind of like a farm system for the big schools, essentially in college. In a sense, or how does that yeah, in a sense. Okay. sometimes it's it's a. Uh, and then do you need like a year at the school for eligibility or something? Is that why? Because he went to Arizona State in 2019, but he didn't yes. register any stats. So that's what. Okay. Yeah, and that so was pre. Just to try to clarify for anybody was, where it's like we only why do we only have two years? Why do we only have 2020 and 2021? Pre-COVID He's, too, and they were a little bit harsher on the. Sit out things if you want right. to transfer. So now, he, after it's it's a little bit it's he, a little more loose. Tell me why Rashad White couldn't be a three down back in the NFL right now. Pass blocking, pass blocking. Yeah. Is that it? That's the only thing holding him back. Yeah, I mean everything else profiles well. It, it, you see, so, it'd be in two seasons. I mean, he had six hundred receiving yards in two. Like it's, I'm I'm not trying to argue. Against I'm not, I'm, I was kind of more posing the question, kind of just like get your feel on it because yeah. I was kind of thinking the same thing so here's my we have questions about the pass blocking of Brees Hall yep. and Kenneth Walker it's a common question for running backs entering the league you always see it there's always a, a handful like one or two guys who are you like alright cool they can block right and this year I think it's what Hassan Haskins I think um, Brian Robinson I, I think was one of those guys what? Who, who can or can't who can uh, there's only a few guys every year yeah. that come in and they're like okay this guy can block he's ready but the majority of the time, it's something that needs to be developed for running backs to the next level. Right. And I only pose that question just to point out to people, because, again, when we when you hear all the draft people talking about the, the running backs and all that, so talking about Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Likely, Isaiah Spiller, sorry, and those are the three guys they always talk about at the top, and I just don't usually hear Rashad White in the same breath, and I'm, I just don't understand why as much when, again, just from looking. A couple reasons. Go ahead. Brees Hall. Production, like at, at longer period seasons, of production, longer period of production to go along with his combine performance. Spiller, same thing. You look at his three seasons; he was productive every year. Granted, he didn't flash at the combine. He wasn't a particularly like sexy athlete, like, but he was productive. Kenneth Walker, Heisman season, 
Right, he didn't win it, but he was in the conversation, so that that's going to generate buzz no matter what. Right. But Rashad White so, just quietly was very productive, profiles as a three-down back, and is a guy who I like a lot. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying, and I'm trying to get people to understand is that, especially with running backs sometimes, we get surprised when it's like, how did this running back who was so good go so late? How did Alvin Kamara get taken? What was he, third round? I think he was a third round. I think he was a third round pick, and we're like, how did this guy go so, and it's like, well... For whatever reason, people looked, saw all the numbers, saw the production, and just said, you know, eh, he didn't produce every year that he was there, which is just, it's crazy, it's a crazy balancing act, because, like, they want four years out of production from the running backs in college, and, like, or, like, at least three years of, like, full boat. But then they'll turn around and say there's too much much tread tread on on the the tire. Yeah, it's like, come on, what do you want? Yeah, so how how do we balance this? So, crazy. I just think he, he didn't. He tested. He did test well at the combine. Rashad White. He didn't have the fast. He ran a four four eight. Again, that's this is the time you're looking for for a running back yeah. before other really fast running backs raise the bar. He's like six one. Vertical 10, jump thirty eight like, inches. Broad jump ten five like ten foot five inches. I mean, so it, he seems to have the speed and explosiveness to be a three down back. He has the pass catching ability. If he just needs to develop his ability as a pass blocker, Rashad White is a running back to that might fall from an NFL's perspective in one year dynasty, but. He would be a guy I would be interested in, in in taking. Where do we want to take him? So this is what we need to figure. If you're, let's say you're doing a, a ten-team rookie dynasty, a rookie dynasty draft. Are you comfortable taking him towards the back end of the first round, late first, where it's like Brees Hall and and Walkers are gone, and the top Spiller three wide receivers, too, and you, then you imagine probably Garrett Wilson's gone. Figure, you know, if you're picking nine or ten. The first four players were running backs and wide receivers. So your top four running back and wide receivers were off the board. Would you take Rashad White as the fifth running back in the class, or would you take like the fifth wide receiver? Or I guess it depends a little yeah, bit on your team needs. Who but, goes but would you be yeah. okay taking him absolutely at the okay back end of the first round? Rashad White at the end of the first round, absolutely. Okay, that's what we need to know. I would be as well. So uh, again, where he goes might change that, but that's how we feel about him in all these players in a vacuum looking right. at the talent-wise. Right. Not counting landing spots, just strictly us looking at the player. The potential, yeah. So if he gets taken in the third round on team leaves a running back and you're like, and you, you know, a few months now you're sitting there going, hey, where did this guy come from? Well, this is where he came from, so yeah, don't be surprised. Hoping he comes to Philadelphia. This is the guy you're hoping we yeah. get here at Philly? Yeah. Yep. Why, why do you want him here in Philly? Three down back. You stop playing that game, you he might be a really nice compliment to Kenny Gamewell. The oh. two of them together were from a very nice tandem. Yeah, yeah. What about the other guy? Um, coming up, going to want a contract extension. Probably going to want to be paid more than he's worth, in my opinion. I'd be looking to move on. I don't think Miles Sanders is going back. <laughs> I like how you didn't even go in the respect of saying his name. Miles Sanders is a good running back. All right? <laughs> he's a good running back. I just I don't know if he's going to be worth what he's going to command. Gotcha. Um, he hasn't been able yeah. to stay healthy for us either. They, 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 have, they haven't committed to health. him. Uh, okay. they, they've shown a lack of commitment so, to him. I think, they, I think they might be replacing him as well. But let's stick to the rookies tonight. It's time right. for another day. Yeah. Let's move on to another running back then. And that is Zonovan Bam Knight out of North Carolina State. So first off, Bam Knight, great name for a running back. Yeah, awesome name. Is it Bam. The, it's the name of the year for sure. <laughs> it's up Bam there. Bam Knight. It's up there. Well, I mean, for running backs, it's yeah. for for running backs, yeah, absolutely. All right, gonna be number one. Cool name aside, this is a guy who was consistently productive at the college level. Again, never. 
one of his problems too is just kind of a little bit like Alec Pierce never had that explosive explosive season. He played 12 games every year, 2019, 2020, and 2021, and he put up over 700 yards in each one of those, around 750 yards each year. Averaged 5.5 yards per carry throughout his time in college. Combine comes around. He didn't test particularly well. 4.58, 40-yard dash, 31-inch vertical jump, 9.6 on the broad. The numbers aren't spectacular there, so... Let's talk a little bit about the positives. Despite the numbers, he is a little bit of an explosive player. He does have some burst to him, although the numbers didn't really reflect at the combine. You do see it on tape. He is one of those guys that kind of, he does that thing where he runs up to you and he does the stutter step like three times and shifts his head and body and then just go and zips past you. So he's got good patience and behind the line, again, kind of like, not to the level like we talk about Le'Veon Bell, but to give people understanding of what we talk about when we mean behind that, the the moving your feet behind the line and keeping them going until you wait for your blockers to get to their assignments and that hold open. He's equally good at running both inside and outside, so he's not scheme-specific like some of these other running backs are. And He's a willing blocker and he gives full effort on every play. That being said, despite being a willing blocker and giving full effort, he's not a particularly effective blocker in either the run game or the pass game. He has very little experience as a wide receiver. He's only totaled 300 yards in, throughout his three years at North Carolina. And, I mean, we talk about pass protection being a weakness for them. This, It's kind of a bigger weakness for him than it is for some of the other guys. Where you see it, it's like he sometimes he doesn't even slow the pass rusher down. He just straight gets beat to the spot he's supposed to meet him at and gets blown by. So that is what's limiting his ability to get on the field as a three down back is his lack of pass protection relative to the other guys that being said how do you feel about him as a whole rich not a guy that really that really pops for me i mean i mean i, I think he's a good running back i don't know how good he's going to be for fantasy purposes doesn't really move the needle one way or the other it's not no. looking like you know, I'm going to avoid this guy at all costs, but you're probably he's probably not going to up on your roster because he just hey, doesn't tickle your... Never say never, but, you know, I, I don't know if it's a guy like right now I'm, I'm smashing the table saying I'm going out and I'm getting him. Oh, no. Like, he's not one of those guys. Like, we'll, we'll see, you know. We'll, I'm going to wait and see what the NFL tells me about him, right? What's his landing spot, right? What round does he go in, right? They'll start to tell me a little bit more about what they think about him, and it'll help me form a little bit stronger of opinion either way. I'm seeing him as a day three pick. I don't know if he goes in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Just because, again, the teams really like those guys that have that explosive season after a few years. It shows that like there was something that clicked for them, I guess, is what the, the mentality is, is that they fi- something finally clicked for them and they were able to put it all together and, and turn it up. And when you don't have that, it's like, well, if, he couldn't cl- if something couldn't click for him in college, is it going to click in the NFL? The lack of just, like, the elite speed and all that athleticism compared, to, especially to some of the other running backs we talked right. about, and the lack of the pass protection being a big weakness for him and not particularly being in a, uh, a good – or not having a lot of experience as a wide receiver. I don't know that I see him, like you said, getting on the field in a three-down role right to start off, but he I – feel, I feel like he's one of those guys where he could be picked up and put on a team and he could end up – in a committee, but then be given a chance due to injury or something and potentially emerge. I'm like, again, like you said, I'm not planting my flag. Like, this yeah. is a guy that, but if you're talking, you know, the you know the 
last pick of my rookie dynasty, and I'm looking, you know, because by that time you're probably looking at scraps. I'm looking, I'm like, this is a guy that could potentially carve out a starting role on a team. Just the, the ceiling for that, I guess, from a fantasy standpoint, like you're saying, I, I, I would never, I'm not projecting him at any point to be a top 10 RB. But he could very well be a usable RB two from a yeah, fantasy I think perspective. Give a couple a couple RB two fantasy seasons. I could see. I, I don't know if I could ever put him in the like the upper echelon RB one. I just don't think I could do it. He'd probably be that guy where like if you go like wide receivers earlier on in the draft and you're coming back and like you know you get one solid running back and you're like oh I need another guy just to be out there. I feel like he could be that kind of guy. Like you said, not a guy that you're particularly reaching for, but kind of maybe a safe pick potentially. Right. Potentially, he could also you know. Not be not be useful at all due to his lack of explosiveness. But hey, did you see any fumble issues come up when you were looking at it? It's like I was watching the tape, and I always look up a couple scouting reports just to see, like you know, am I seeing what they're seeing, or am I you know whacked out of my mind? No, I do the same thing. Um, so. And I just kept seeing it pop up: fumble issues, fumble issues. Is there you could pull the stats up? Uh, yeah, he was at NC State, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, this is from December twenty twenty one. Let me let me take a look for a second. Uh, yeah. Make sure I get cards. So, not that I could see, but again, this this is, you know, they they like to hide the bad tape for college players a lot of time from the general public, so it's hard to find. Three this past year, it looks like. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we're looking at a total three. Can we check the past seasons? Can you? And is that fumbles lost or is that just fumbles? Two law, two lost, one one recovered. Okay. Um, yeah, let me take a look. Right in the right corner over yeah. there, you could change season. Let's take him. So, I guess I don't know. Would let me ask you, like, would you rather have five and two seasons? Uh, let's go back one more, two more, so eight. seven, eight, eight, eight over three oh, seasons. Yeah, eight. There's eight there. And all three were lost as freshman season. So you're talking about a little less than three fumbles a season in the college level. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm and not sure it, how that it, translates. And they lost six yeah, out okay, of the eight or seven out of the eight. It could be concerning I mean, to uh, yeah, scout. That's, it, Rojo have saying. fumbling issues? Right. right. Oh, yeah, I have so, kept saying people say that. In com- Rojo? I don't, in comparison to, you know, 140 rushing attempts with three fumbles per year is essentially what you're looking at with that, that ratio. Particular. I just don't know. Like we're saying this for him, but I don't know if that ratio is particularly larger than it is for other people when you're talking about three fumbles and 140 right. carries. And then we'll have to take a look. We, to see we, if that's, we just this talked is about another guy with fumbling issues in Sanders, and we're talking the Eagles might be looking to move on from him. He had some fumbling issues. So I mean, instead of White, the, they bring in was they bring in Zonovan Knight. Did Sanders have fumbling yeah. issues in college? Is that one of the critiques that was coming? I'd have to go back there. and double check, but I mean, he's, he's had some fumbling issues with the Eagles. No, yeah, he definitely had that in the NFL, at the NFL level, so... It's, that's another it's, thing that yeah. concerns me. We have to come back and look. Is, we'll, we'll take a look at that. You're so not going to get on the field if you put the ball in. Oh, no, yeah. Because that, that's also, I mean, a thing, too, when we see, we saw with a lot of these guys, like, oh, this guy has some concentration drops, and then you're looking at the tapes, like, I don't. I see a few. I don't see too many. So it's like, well, how many drops compared to how many targets and catches that they got? Is it so? Like, is the number that large, or is it just you know? Is this one of those things where somebody pulled this stat up about Bam, about Bam Knight, but didn't bother to look it up for anybody else anywhere? And so, like, you know what I mean? I, I sometimes with these numbers, I like to have a better idea of the pool of people that are included in it. Where like, you can't just 
you know, use this number. Like that one statistic you sent about the wide receivers with Drake London and, mm-hmm. and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and all that. Yeah, the fantastic yeah. catch percentage. And that's something we could talk about later when we talk about London. But, I mean, I just I was like, how many people are actually in that pool of players? Like, did you pick... It's like, yeah, you picked the top five guys from that. If this is a pool of ten people... You know, then what does being the top five out of ten really have to do if you've eliminated the three thousand other college wide receivers that were in there during that time? So, but Bam Knight, late round flyer as far as dynasty goes. See where he lands. That might improve his. What you got? I saw you researching Brees Hall fumbles. Uh, yeah, I was just seeing how many he had. It looks like he only had uh, four over the over the course of three seasons. I don't know. A whole okay. lot about Brees Hall, so I can't. It's concerning. Yeah, yeah, it's concerning. But. So again, that's why, that's why he's a much lower prospect than I said. Like I said, I think he's going on day three. So we're not standing on the table pounding the drum for him, but he does have some potential upside. He's got, he's got the size. He's got enough speed. He's not, again, like we said, he's not going to be a, a, a RB one at any point. But he could potentially work your way to being a solid RB two, back end RB two on your fantasy team depending on where he goes, and that's if he lives up to his potential. Let's move on to somebody who has way more potential. and Way more hype, for sure. Way more hype, and we'll talk about the downside to him, but that is Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave. Chris Olave, very productive at his time during Ohio State. He had a forgetful rookie season, only appeared in seven games, 197 yards, not too much. 2019, he... Broke onto the scene, 840 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns, so that was big. 2020, during the shortened 2020 season when they only appeared in seven games, he had 50 catches for 729 yards. It's a little bit of a drop in the average yards per catch, but again, that was through seven games, and he had more catches and still 700 yards in about half as many games as the year before. So if that was a full season, that would have been his breakout exploding season. It wasn't, and that's part of the reason he didn't declare for the draft. And then he goes on to 2021, and he has another outstanding season. Appeared in 11 games, 65 receptions, 936 yards, and 13 touchdowns. So second season with double-digit touchdowns. One of those things where he seems to have improved every season as a wide receiver. His numbers keep going up, and that's in a crowded wide receiver room at Ohio State. Just mentioned again, the combine numbers. I know we talked about it a little bit when we talked about Garrett Wilson, but Chris Olave is about 6'3 and a half. He is not 6'1", despite what people have stated before. Again, this was all my mess with, with Garrett Wilson. I don't know why they were both listed at 6'1", because neither one of them is 6'1". They both went the other way. It's 187 pounds to go along with that 6'3 and a half. So let's stop there real quick, because this was something I did notice on tape. He's lanky. Yes, he is. He's a lanky player. Very lanky. So this is something that... This is, for me, why I can't put Chris Olave as my wide receiver one in the in the class. Not a wide receiver one as far as NFL or fantasy goes, but far as the number one yeah. wide receiver in this in class. Rookies, yeah. I just I don't know that he has the physical body type to do that. Now we've been proven wrong on things like this before with Tyree Kill, for example, being a smaller guy. But I think he was also a little bit shorter too. It's a, it, he was uh, Tyree Kill is more solid, I feel, than Chris Olave when, when I'm looking at him on tape and comparing him. And it just makes me concerned where. You hear six three and a half wide receiver, and you think 50-50 ball, red zone threat, physical guy. And I don't know that that's his thing. The speed is his thing, right? He's got that four. He ran a four three nine. He's got speed. He's a burner. He's a burner. He's a burner. So he could fill the Tyree Cole, Tyree Kill role in that sense. But 
some of the other guys like a uh, Garrett Wilson or Drake London, who Garrett Wilson's about the same weight, but he's a little bit smaller, so he's a little more compact. And when I when I look at him, I don't see lanky. Like I see a solidly built wide receiver. Drake London, you see a bigger wide receiver when you look at him. Traylon Burks is a bigger wide receiver when you look at him. Again, I still think he could it be he's gonna he could be a number one wide receiver on an NFL team. I think he probably will be a number one wide receiver on an NFL team, depending on which team drafts him. Um, that may or may not be this year. I just think also his floor could potentially be wide receiver two, wide receiver three range on an NFL team where he could be used just kind of as the gadget speed guy or just kind of in a Deshaun Jackson role, which is great because he'll go off on one week and have eight catches for 120 yards and, a, and two touchdowns, but the consistency might not be there. All right, so he's a guy that I'm, like, I'd be very comfortable drafting, but knowing that there's a wide range of outcomes. Right, so like he could be, like you say, he could be a number one. I mean, I view him more as being like a, a wide receiver too. Um, but his speed's going to play. So what I mean by this, he's going to be on the field. That's why I'd be comfortable drafting him. Whether that he ends up in, like you said, that speed role, or whether you know on the tape he ran crisp routes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, getting in and out of his breaks and finding some more work in underneath areas versus just being strictly a down the field burner. But yeah. I, I think he's always he's gonna find his way onto the field because of that speed and that deep threat ability that he brings. Right, and this is what we talk about sometimes. We talk about the guys that separate themselves and why these guys are talked about in the top five. It's because their floor is essentially still being a starting wide receiver on an NFL team, or some of these other guys' floor is competing for wide receiver six or seven right. and hoping special that they have special teams, teams job. job. Yeah, so I'm. I sound. I guess we're in the same. In the same neighborhood on Chris Olave, but maybe in, in slightly different houses as far as the upside versus the downside on them. I, I actually think we agree a little more on the downside, but not so much on the upside. He's a guy so. just, he keeps growing on me as we get closer and closer to the draft and, and, and we move through this process. He's a guy that like I, I just keep coming back to. like Damn good receiver. I like him. Yeah, and again, I just just comparatively to the other wide receivers, that's just for me why I can't put him at the one. It's just I don't know... He doesn't have that physical style of play either, and it because of his lanky For frame and it kind me, of. It's it's you didn't see a ton of yak on tape. You didn't, you didn't see the yards after the catch. It was a lot of catch, go down, catch, go out of bounds, or catch in the end zone, or catch at the five and he takes it in. And it's a you, there wasn't a ton of times where you saw him, you know, catch one of those like slants and just and just go, or watch him catch one of those inside crosses and just. He goes. And again, where the size issue shows up on tape is really in the press coverage thing, especially with a guy you need to be the speed guy and get down there quick. It's like, that's great if he can run fast, but if he gets thrown off because of press coverage at the start of the route, you might as well be a, you know an average speed wide receiver at that point if you lose the two to three seconds on the on press coverage consistently, which was his problem. So, still, so are we still in agreement, though, that Chris Olave is most likely a first-round wide receiver in a rookie draft? For Dynasty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first-round wide receiver. We still agree that he's in that top five category, just not competing for the one spot. Yeah, he's, he's another one in that mid to to late, probably first round. Right, or, you know, right around 105, 106. I'm probably looking to start considering him. I mean, I have a 107 pick, and I'm he's in the discussion. I'm looking at him. And landing spot matters, too, for as far as that goes. That could affect some of it, but... Right, landing spots are going to be coming up soon, too. That's his... Uh, yeah. Yeah, at least give us something new to talk about, you know. 
eight days now? It was nine days a few, a few hours, hours ago. Bit ago. It was eight yeah. days now. Eight, eight, eight days. Eight days until the draft. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for this episode. We are going to wrap it up because we've got some more content to get through for another episode. So until next time, I am Ryan McNichols. Reach out. Mike Coyle. Peace out. See you guys.